0: Does anybody want to talk about anything? Hey Nate, Louis.
1: Uh, yeah, um, my question is a little bit long because I need to explain what happened. Mm-hmm. Like I've been meditating in stage four for the last uh, like for a long time, yep. and in the last few weeks, I sometimes went automatically to stage five or felt that way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I noticed that my breath was. A lot more relaxed than it normally is so I check for it and when I normally meditate to relax it and I noticed that um, I don't relax it and I'm I'm not like leaving any spaces there because I find it hard to put my attention on it because it's constantly disappearing and coming back and it's really confusing and I noticed that in my daily life I have the same problem I try to be more mindful in daily life, but stuff is constantly like moving and changing. So yeah, I don't know where to put my, how to put my attention stably on something.
0: So uh, I bet there's a lot of people that can give you advice about that particular question. Um, My advice about that question is put your attention on the place where you expect the breath to be, and then allow the breath to appear there rather than trying to, Uh, put your attention on the breath because the breath isn't one thing, right? Uh, Carrie, your video is not on. Um, Yeah, your breath is is not one thing. It's all of the collections of, of sensations coming from various different parts of your body that you put together into the concept, which is the breath. And when the concept, the breath drops away, what you're left with is a changing thing and you can't stay stable on a changing thing. All you can stay stable on is that you're watching the changing thing. So,
1: so kind of create like a spot of,
0: I wouldn't even text. get that, that, um, uh, conceptual about it. I would just invite sensations that are the ones that you're looking for to appear and then, then see if they appear and notice which ones are actually breast sensations. And if stuff appears that isn't a breast sensation, don't pay attention to that. But, um, as I said, I bet there are at least several other people here who have advice about this, so maybe I'll let them talk.
3: Well, I mean just yeah, I mean it's kind of it's it's a it's a it's funny that it's an it's like a repeating question. <laughs> um and my first response would be like, you know, close your eyes, you know. Uh do you, do you notice any breathing, right? Like, I mean, how how do you know you're alive? And you know, it's like, look for you're breathing all the time, right? And so, I, it's the it's the fact that the, the breath sensations change, right? And the the dropping of the concept that people struggle with. But but yeah, I think Ted, you gave great pointers.
1: The thing that confuses me is that like thirty percent of the time they're like if I breathe normally, there isn't any breath sensation. So how am I supposed to train attention on my breath?
0: Ta- put your attention on the silence between the sensations.
1: Okay. I'm not, should I just like try it and hope it works or is there like a
0: explore? Yeah, experiment. You're, you're, the problem with all of this stuff is that, is that we can never give you a precise instruction because it's all experiential, right? So you're going to have to discover how it works, but but and, and you know what you discover may be different than what I discover when I do it, but, but it's okay. It doesn't have to be the same. It just has to be something that you can train your attention on. And, and, and you discover things about how your mind works when you explore this stuff. Like when you notice, oh, I can't do that thing that I thought I was supposed to do. I, like I really can't do it because it's not a thing that can be done. Um, then you have to like figure out, well, what, what was it that I really need to do? And then so it's always an experimental process. But yeah, just, you know, look for the, like, like seriously, the silence between the, between the sensations. And also, um, the other thing is make sure that your attention is really, uh, that, that your mind is really vivid. Because one of the ways that the breath can get silent is, is, is that subtle dullness creeps in. And when you first encounter subtle dullness, it feels like it's pretty vivid. So like you think that the like there's some other thing you think is this subtle dullness that's really actually just not very gross, gross dullness. And when you get to the point where you're at subtle dullness, then subtle dullness is something you actually have to kind of learn to navigate your way through and notice. Um, and subtle dullness can make it harder to, to, to keep your attention stable because you know, there's, there are these little gaps and, and, and your attention kind of shifts during the gap. So that's another thing that you can you can look for.
3: Well, and one thing that I seem to recognize is that sometimes when people report that, it's kind of right before they're, they're kind of faced with impermanence, right? The, 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 the inside experience into impermanence that you know you there's just this this flux flow shifting sensations um and then the my the mind just kind of recoils and jumps back from it right and then no no no, bring bring the concepts back <laughs> bring the concepts back so that that sometimes is um what you report like people report what you're reporting like kind of before that as they're working on you know getting closer to that experience um but
1: yeah, I think that's what's happening. I noticed how I try to grasp with my attention for something stable, but it always like
4: moves mm.
5: and changes and goes away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Once, once, um, someone once gave an analogy to me. He says like, um, it's like, like you're basically waiting, um, especially if you you have like. Okay, well, Ted is basically right, you have to experiment for yourself, but if you have like really long pauses between your breaths and you, can't, you don't have any sensations, you're, you're sort of just like a cat, like waiting, um, like uh, at, a, at a mouse hole, you're just like waiting for the mouse to come out you're just like, that's like one way to think about it. I think it works for some people. And uh, you just wait for the, you just stay there vigilantly until the, um, the sensations show themselves again.
1: Okay, thanks. I'll try that. So is it more of an awareness practice actually, because like you can't, because stuff arise and then you put your attention there, but because it's always changing. Like that's what confuses me. I don't know.
0: Uh, so you're there. You could do it that way, but, but you can also train your attention on the absence. Okay. And so, and I think uh that that training our attention on the absence is is the right practice, but you know it's not wrong to experiment with that. I think if you don't train your attention on the absence that that you may find that um that what you're really experiencing is attention sort of wandering a bit or- t- attention could also just sort of fade out and you could just go into all awareness, which isn't a bad thing, but it's not the practice um so but yeah experiment
1: so you well, can. So can you pay attention to nothingness or is it like a thing?
0: Yeah, of course. You can always pay attention to
1: something.
3: Nothingness well, so, is a
1: thing. Okay.
3: Well, well, one thing though is, I will say is, uh, there's always something, right? So, so that's, that's. I think it's important to kind of be aware of that or to, to have, I think that's a more helpful frame because the other frame of, you have to be careful about like, pay attention to the silence. Cause sometimes then people, um, they just start paying attention to the dullness, right? And right. They're, they're just kind of staying with, which which is like a solidified type, or it's more, it's more con- I mean, it gets, it's more substantial, right? Even though even that, it's not fully that substantial, but it's more substantial um, having kind of, you could have sort of like stable, subtle dullness.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: Clearly, we need to have the Looney Tunes guide to meditation. Or is Tom and Jerry's Looney Tunes right? Anyway, I don't know. Important questions. Anybody else want to bring something
6: up? Uh, just one related thing. Uh, another recommendation along the lines of paying attention to the absence of sensation. Uh, I find I, I was never able to do that. Um, but what helped for me was um, paying attention to the um, this uh, like just the sensation of my nose being there. Like I would mm-hmm. acquaint myself with just the sensation of the flesh on my nose, just ambiently sitting there. Same way you can feel your knee or your elbow or anything, uh, and that would kind of be in the background to my breath. Uh, once I trained myself to notice that consistently, I could always fall back on that a little bit. Uh, it seemed more practical than the absence because I could just never. I could never pinpoint the absence without just going into wandering myself. But that's something else to experiment with.
0: That's sort of like what Gilbert was saying about there is always something, right?
6: Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what brought it to mind. Mm -hmm. Cool.
0: are paying attention to the absence
7: well that raises a question for me that i've wondered about and it's really just theoretical i don't know if there's value in discussing it but my curiosity is whether uh awareness without content is a thing
0: well so uh There is the idea of there being a cessation where the mind has no object, subject and object disappear. Um, Somebody who's experienced with cessations might be able to say more about that. Um, Okay.
7: Is when in the middle of a cessation is awareness present? If subject and object both disappear, it seems like there's no awareness. But, you know, I don't know. So... My practice has never really
0: produced any cessations, so I'm the wrong person to give you experiential knowledge about this. Um, if somebody else here has had cessations, they might be able to speak to it if they want to. Um, the, the party line from uh, people I know who've had cessations is that during the cessation, um, there isn't uh, an experience. But then after the cessation, there's a knowledge that there was a gap so.
3: Yeah, and most people experience that, right? I guess Chula also talked about there being the uh, pure consciousness experience, um, mm-hmm. but even then, was that was something that you couldn't it, couldn't? it was ineffable, and it was not. It was not like every um, every other experience, right? And in some ways, it too was a non-experience. <laughs> So you're kind of left with the same thing, um, that basically there's always um, you know until there until maybe the brief seconds there's not but there's always uh, whenever there's a, a subject or the, whenever there's what is it the awareness and the, there's there's the content you can't have the content without the awareness you you can't you can't have your question was um, you
2: can't have awareness without
3: awareness but can you have awareness without content
7: i've i've heard of people who claim they haven't slept in years because they stay aware on i'm doing air quotes sure. aware
0: all night mm-hmm. yep
7: and that awareness is without content my experience is that when i'm asleep at night There's no awareness. You know, I wake up the next morning and it's like you're describing a cessation. I know there's been a gap of time, but there was no awareness there during that gap as far as I could tell.
0: So there, there's the question of whether there was awareness that you don't remember or whether there was no awareness. Okay. Um, And a person who experiences awareness when they're sleeping seems to remember that there was awareness, but that doesn't mean that your experience of sleeping is different than theirs. It just means that they remember their experience and you don't. Um. It will.
7: So you know, it's possible that you, hmm? I don't remember my experience and it's possible that I don't experience awareness when I'm asleep. Right. Yeah. That's two different possibilities. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But how would you, how would you test that? Right. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, go ahead. Well, and what what I've heard it seems like people who study sleep i mean there's such a thing called micro sleep. and so even those peop those advanced meditators i wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they're engaging in sort of micro sleeps like all the time right and so that it's somehow they're still getting it i it's kind of i think a academic question yeah. um from yeah. a practical question like sure why not I, I've had on retreat, had some experience like that, where it seemed like I was pretty much awake the entire night. But, but even then, it was, um, you know, I wouldn't read too much into that, too, right? I, I was like, oh, I could easily just have been falling asleep, like you know, brief seconds in and out, in and out. And does it matter? No. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
5: Well, there just the, like, yeah, sorry, uh, Just to satisfy, like, if you have curiosity about this, like, I did read a little bit about. Um, dream yoga and like, uh, had some experiences myself, but no, I think normally, like, at least for me, like, um, as your mind goes to sleep, like you sort of just, you don't really lose awareness. You lose like memory, like you still experience. And then like, um, then you get into certain stages where you don't even have, um, yeah, Tibetans have this thing where that you're like, you're like merged in this clear light of sleep. And I have not been able to experience that. Normally, like, I just go unconscious during that period. But, like, while as I wake up, there's actually, like, a lot of things going on. So it's sort of like, I'm not sure what I was trying to say. But also, like, when you take naps, like, if you really try to pay attention when you take naps, what I realize is, like, during naps, I don't really go that deep into the unconscious. So it's it's more like just, like, mind-wandering mind wandering and like uh, then starting to dream a little bit like images becoming or the thoughts becoming more visual. And then um, then after a while, like I wake up and there are times when I, when I was like, huh, I didn't really like really have a nap, but no, that was a nap. I just like remembered the entire process. It's uh, it's very interesting. There's a, there's, there's a book actually called dream yoga that talks about it. I'll
4: look it up. Thanks. Yeah, you can also have really cool experiences with it. I had, like, one one time where I was, like, I woke up at 5 a.m. and then tried to do, like, a lucid dreaming technique and to fall back asleep again. And I, like, I was aware of the whole process of, like, falling asleep, and then also I... Usually I fall asleep with a gap and then I come in a dream and then I know it's a dream. And this time I was fully aware of like what's happening. And I just entered a dream. Like I stepped out of my body and was in a dream and that, that whole process. It's really cool.
7: So the question I asked that started this discussion, Jan, was, is it possible to have awareness without content? And it sounds like maybe you experienced that. Uh, what was going on before the dream started for you?
4: Um, there was, there was content, there was questions there was content. Okay. in this case. So, um, yeah, this was more like something cool with lucid dreaming. Okay. Thanks.
5: Actually young. Did, did you ever have a cessation? Um, yeah, I think so. At least, mm-hmm. uh, I think Tom's actually Tom's original question was more like that. Tom, do you want to ask it again? Yeah, I was a well, bit late, so sorry for that.
7: Uh, no problem. the The question was just: Is awareness without content a thing? And then TED connected that to cessation.
4: Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I don't feel like I have the expertise to say, like anything about that. But consciousness without content, I, I would say that's a thing, but. I, I'm not sure if that's like different from cessation of that, or that is, or that it is cessation. Um, uh, go ahead.
7: Well, there but, are
0: those jhanas, right? The jhana of there's the jhana of uh,
7: no perception and
0: yeah, the, no perception. Perceiving or perceiving. Exactly, neither perceiving nor not perceiving, <laughs> which seems like it's exactly what you're talking about, really.
7: It could be. Yeah, I'm just remembering in. uh, Daniel Ingram's work talk, he was talking about uh reifying awareness or attention
0: mm-hmm. as
7: a thing can be misleading word. Right. Yeah,
0: well the, the one really of is things a
7: sensation, is sensation not a container for it.
0: Yeah. One of the things to be aware of with awareness is that you can you can uh you can attach to that as a self. Yeah. Like awareness is me. Right?
7: I am awareness, yeah. Yeah.
0: So and and you know, that's a thing, right? There are some traditions where where that's actually what they say. And you know, it's it's not, that doesn't mean that you can't get to a stage of awakening doing that, but but there are other people who say, yes, but that's not all. That's not everything. Like there comes a point, uh, you know, some people talk about it as pre-consciousness, um, but basically there are experiences that that are not um or they're not experiences. It, it's, see, it's, the language gets really confusing. And since I haven't experienced or not experienced it, um, I can't really say what it's like. But, uh, and, you know, when I hear people talk about it, they don't seem to be able to say what it's like either. So, by the way, I was just looking on Amazon and there are quite a few books on dream yoga. So it might be worth saying if anybody who's read a book on dream yoga, was it you, Nate, who said that you'd read the book on dream yoga?
5: Yeah, sorry. It's, uh, it's the one by uh, Andrew Holacek. Okay, good to know. Uh, yeah, the book cover has a big moon on it. Or something yeah,
0: illuminating like your life through lucid dreaming and the Tibetan yogas of sleep.
5: Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I think he's uh, he practices in the Tibetan lineage, but he also discusses um, lucid dreaming techniques from the West. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't wow. actually tried it. It just like it was really interesting.
2: Cool.
4: But on the topic, I had like on retreat where in like the later days where I did Vipassana, um, I was very close. It felt like um, the, the thing, uh, my my attention shifted from to different sense objects, but there were like constantly gaps in between. So it felt like nothing, something, nothing, something, nothing, something, nothing, something, but, like very for a very long time. Um, so I wasn't sure if those were also cessations or um, I had moments where there, where it seemed like there was a gap as well, but this was like a lot. Um, I'm not sure what that was then. Um,
0: so the, the, the going between something and nothing, something and nothing sounds a bit like A&P.
4: Mm, no, I don't think it was that because it was more, um, a and it wasn't it was more it was like it was more an equanimity um that that was like the whole experience was very equanimous and not very amp like mm-hmm.
3: well um, you, you you won't have like cessation like like that like cessation on off 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 um, that's with the that would just be sort of the probably a, a sharper mind um, being aware of sort of non-perceiving mind moments, which is different from a cessation.
4: Maybe. Yeah, that's what I thought, right? Because it didn't like, it was different from the times where I thought at least that I had a cessation. So but it was very interesting as well.
0: One thing Nick Grabovac has said about this is that his experience of uh, cessations, he thinks that, that a cessation typically starts with a very sharp, brief moment of dullness. Um, that's, that's been, he, he, I don't think he would say it quite that definitively, but he's theorized that because he says that, that he's, he's noticed that when, when he has cessations, they usually seem to start that way, But there's like a moment of, of, of non-perception and then. Whoosh. So this is one of those things that- like, like cessations are, are the, are the hallmark of, of, uh, realization in, in the Tibetan tradition that I studied in for 15 years. And so it's something that I'm really curious about and sort of frustrated that I've never actually experienced.
7: I noticed the second author on that book is Stephen Leberge, and I have read things by him about lucid dreaming. Hi Sam.
6: I have a kind of related question that uh, maybe this is just a follow-up for Jan. What was your experience of equanimity like before your cessation? Um, I I get this sort of um, dream like state, which feels like it might be dullness, but I'm definitely very alert. Um, But it somehow feels like I'm going to sleep, but I never get anywhere closer to sleep. I just stay very aware the whole time. I'm curious if you had uh, experiences like that and... uh, whether you thought, like it feels in that state, like it's fruitful to just stay in that state. Um, I'm curious if you had similar experiences.
4: Yeah, I can understand what you mean. Um, and if you are alert, and um, if, you, if you know that it is isn't dullness, then I would definitely
6: like stay in there, and try to explore it a bit. Um, very like no exploring to do. It's the most inactive. Like, I'm not directing attention at all.
4: Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That sounds, that sounds good, yeah.
3: But you can still go further into it, right? Or, or see if you can, right? Or, yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah, there's a feeling like I can kind of like, incline towards sinking further and further into it. Yeah.
3: But, and it'll, it'll be a balance, right? Because um, sometimes, or if you, sink too far for too long uh likely you will go into dullness or some something like that or you'll yeah that's very likely um so there will probably be times where you have to sort of maybe it's refresh intentions to sort of stay alert to stay awake um but but yeah no it is fruit, very fruitful sort of to be in that kind of state if you are also aware <laughs> aware and alert um, and that is one that, yeah, you do wanna be sort of playing with it.
6: Yeah, I, uh, I guess the only alternative that I, I play with is sort of deconstructing the equanimity state a little bit, like trying to see what sensations are causing me to perceive this kind of like ineffable of equanimity and like dreamy feeling. Um, but doing that is a more active thing that, that seems to negate this like dreamy state. Like as soon as I do that, it pulls me away from this pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But that seems like it might also be a useful thing to do.
3: It could be. I mean, because um, one very important key element of the state is equanimity. Like, I mean, and by equanimity, it, it, it's not craving, not being aversive, not sort of, inc- not, uh, you can incline the mind in a certain way um, in a non, without using craving and aversion, um, but where it's like the mind is, yeah, it's sort of balanced, it's at rest, but it's not like always reaching out or pushing away, which is actually like the default state, <laughs> which, yeah, which is the default state without the real, without realizations and, and work and deconditioning. Um, but right, right now, when you first reach sort of um, kind of that state you're kind of describing of equanimity, uh, a lot of it also is kind of just getting accustomed to it, um, being able to recreate the causes and conditions that lead to that state at first, and it is more a state. Um, and so that's why I was saying, like, oh, I was saying, like, if you can see it, you can go into it even more. But also, because there's an element of, sur- you do have to kind of like you're letting go, you're you're, you're surrendering, but it's new because you know, the only way we knew how to really surrender is like, oh yeah, like the whole go to sleep, right? Lights out, but it's different. You don't want that type of sort of surrendering, letting go, but you still, you want to still be aware and not just be aware, but actually working on increasing that um, awareness and that sharpness, being aware of more and more.
4: Yeah. And <clears throat> what I am, um... Have gotten for advice in that state is usually like try to observe that pushing and pulling. So, in the equanimity state, you probably feel like very spacious and calm. Um, and um, try to be aware when like the mind is not in that state and what's causing it and what's happening, and try to observe that.
6: This is great, thanks, guys.
0: Um here we are a half an hour in and everybody's being all quiet. Does anybody have any burning question that they're just too shy to ask or observation I they want to make? Jan? I can
4: talk if um, yeah. um last time we spoke was about two weeks ago. And I had this like massive purification.
0: Yeah, oh right.
4: Yeah. Um and that was interesting. I'm feeling way better. Um hey. Just to start off with that, um, but it was really intense. Um, I haven't had anything like that ever during meditation. Um, I've cried every day during for a week during meditation. Um, yeah, and it, I actually got physically like uh, sick as well from it. Um, so uh, yeah, it was pretty intense, um, and. Uh, like what you said that about like a part of you like becoming uh, aware that like people close to you might die or the impermanence of like close relations uh, to you. I think that got triggered. And I think something like that caused it. Um, And um, I also talked to Tucker about it. And he said that it's also very common to happen with the practice that I was doing and also where I'm at in the practice so um yeah it, it all seems like fine okay um yeah it's going well now um i'm doing a different i i switched to more like a meta practice but not the standard meta but more um meditation on the mind vipassana kind of meta where you have open awareness and everything that comes up you wish it love hmm. um and uh i've been doing that now for uh one and a half week or something like that. Um and that's really helped. And now I feel better. And the weird thing is I'm I'm just curious. Like Zolt was also talking about equanimity and I also feel like very equanimous um every time I sit. Um very spacious, very calm again. My body feels like light and stable, like physical pliancy, um, not really pity, um, but more physical pliancy. So it feels just good. Um, the only thing is like, these are all, um, like good qualities, but the interesting thing is like, my concentration isn't that good necessarily. I haven't been doing like any concentration practices, like excess concentration practices. Um, So I think that's why, but it's very interesting. Like, I'm not that concentrated, but the state that I'm in is really nice and feels really good. I'm wondering, like, if people also experience that sometimes, that, like, their concentration is meh, but the state is, like, awesome.
0: Yeah, so would you say that your, when you say your concentration isn't that good, do you mean your awareness isn't stable, or do you mean, or your attention isn't stable, or do you mean... That you're mostly in awareness and not really aware of where attention is or
4: yeah i i would say maybe the second one yeah that's um, really common yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so i think that's pretty much the story one. of my meditation life right now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and it's just like i don't know like yeah everything just feels even like, yeah, it's, I think it's the second one. Um, but also when there is a distraction, for example, d- distraction just feels very nice or something Yeah. It's just like, yeah.
0: That. Yeah. I think, I think that that's, you know, my experience recently has been that like, I've been actually trying to, to really work on the 10 stages and my meditations get less pleasant, not more pleasant because I do that. Um, and when I just allow myself to let the meditation decide where it's going, uh, then the meditations are much more pleasant. Um, one thing I have noticed that, that probably would be not, not what you're experiencing is, is that um, when I'm in that state, there's a tendency for dullness to arise. And so one thing that does seem to make that state much go much better for me right now is just to to deliberately like notice every so often, whether that's happening. Um, because otherwise I'll have this like wonderful meditation. And then when the bell goes off, I'll be like, wow,
4: <laughs> which is a bad sign. <laughs> so, but I don't have that. I don't experience dullness in this yeah. case. I sometimes, especially with the meta, So sometimes really laughing the, the distraction and stuff. I, I actually get more joyous and en- energized. Yeah. Metta. I've, I found
0: meta is really good for combating dullness actually. Like mm. not that that's its purpose, but it does seem to have that effect.
4: All right, cool. It's interesting.
0: Yeah.
6: yeah.
4: So I I've had this before as well. It's not like now a common thing, but like when I have, I've reached before like equanimous states where I'm not that concentrated mm-hmm. and then yeah, I was just wondering like uh, what other people thought about that.
5: Yeah. I
0: mean, I, I say it as if I'm like, speaking authoritatively. The, the reason I say that it's really common is because I hear it from people a lot. And, you know, so so I think it is a pretty common thing that happens and, and you know, it's not, like the practice that you're doing, I think is probably like, you know, just as fruitful as, as doing a concentration oriented practice. So like, there are a lot of practices that are not really strictly concentration oriented and seem to be very effective, so. There's no point in sort of valorizing concentration it's just a tool
2: uh, yeah
3: yeah yeah and the what you were the frame i was thinking of was it the equanimity born of, of insight that's kind of what it, i would put it under in that yeah. box um versus the equanimity born of like concentration um and i do think concentration is not always the best word uh and there's two things. One, concentration is not always the best word. I think stable attention is better. And I also think that concentration kind of gets overhyped <laughs> as being super important, that like the only way to make progress is, is building your concentration or even kind of building your stable attention. Meanwhile... I actually very much prefer, I first heard it from Gwenka, right? And he talks about actually the, the real marker of progress is building your equanimity, right? Your your ability to, um, you know, not be pushed and pulled by sort of the events and responding sort of with, I mean, he didn't, I'm adding this part, but at, you respond with kind of more, you know, conscious intention or wholesome intentions. Okay.
2: Okay, well I think I,
5: I have a question. It's sorta of related to to what Jan was talking about. But yeah, basically, uh well, okay, I don't really know if it's a question or not, but what I've been doing for like the past half year is really just like purifications and I felt like what what happened is like I just sort of do them and then and then like insights would just sort of come. Like it's almost as if like the mind was like, uh oh, it's once you cleared off enough stuff, the mind was like, okay, like this was there all, like the inside was there all the time or something, but finally it's ready to accept in, boom, that like um, blossom. But then once that blossomed, that would kick up more stuff. And then like, I just keep on going on this um, cycle and like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's been half a year. I was just like curious if that's like normal or if it's like, uh, it's common. Yeah, I don't know, and also like uh, I I, t- I mentioned this to other people too, and I asked them like, because um, my purifications when I sit down, they are mainly just um, like physical or energetic sensations, and there is one person that suggested to me like, oh maybe it's you just need to ignore it, and um, it's like uh, you're you're getting close to, like pacifying the senses or something and just, I should just ignore it. But like, I don't know, it also doesn't feel right to ignore them. I feel like there's some emotional charge in them. So like, I'm reluctant to like, just ignore it.
0: Yeah. So like, I can say my personal experience of that is exactly the same as yours, that, that, that purifications seem to be important. Like, I don't feel like it's, it's the right thing to just ignore them. Um, when they happen, it's not uncommon for some small insight to occur. Usually it's not a big insight, um, at least in my experience. Uh, I think that they're probably, like my my model, my mental model for this, which please do not take as anything more than my random mental model, is that um, there are, because I mean, before before you have like any sort of stream entry style insight experience, um, this stuff happens too, right? You, you, you have these little insights, right. And they happen when you're doing your meditation practice and they're, they're important. Like they're not small things. And so I think that the same thing is true when you're on one of the paths, right? You're just on another path and you're, you're doing different purifications. You have the ability to purify things you couldn't have purified before, and you have the same sorts of results. But my theory is that if you, to move from path to path, um, most likely would typically involve more than just purification. I don't know that that's true though. That's just my theory. But yeah, it's, it's the experience you're describing sounds vividly familiar.
4: What do you mean with more than purification in this case? Um. Uh,
0: so so some, kind of, some kind of insight experience, some kind of fruition.
4: Uh, Okay. Yeah, like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, is maybe a little bit like, like, you know, we know people, I think, who have had insight without any obvious fruition. And so clearly, it's possible to to have uh, a path attainment without having an an obvious fruition. And so it could entirely be possible that, that you could have a, you know, third or second, third or fourth path, path attainment without having an explicit fruition um but so in a sense it's it's like that right like maybe you could just switch paths doing that but but perhaps more commonly there might be some practice you would do that would sort of like show you something in the mirror that you weren't that you wouldn't weren't expecting to see and then you have a fruition and then you have a a path attainment but (laughs) you know, part of, part of my, my challenge is like, I have no idea where I am anymore. I used to, I used to have like this idea of the path and like, you know, path attainments and, and, you know, or, or, or Jeffrey's locations, right. You know, that's another model. And like when I look at what my experience is right now and what, what sort of my trajectory has been, I have no clue where to put myself on either of those maps anymore. Like I used to know, but now I don't. So (laughs)
4: usually i have the same but isn't it two things maybe it's like the first thing i have really now um for a while it's like i don't give a fuck right um and the other one is isn't that why a teacher might be like nice to have so that he like kind of knows it and then
0: And look, look, and and that's part of the challenge right now is it's like, well, and then this whole thing with Chuladasa hit the fan. And now we're like, well, well, how do I take seriously each of the things that he said? What things can I take seriously and what things do I need to take with a grain of salt? Right. And um, so you're you're sort of right. But but at the same time, it's like, you know, my experience with teachers has been that they uh, often will be very certain about things that later on turn out to be not so certain. And so to some extent, we are our own, uh, guides. I mean, one thing that, that, that I still find helpful, although it doesn't really help me to actually place myself because of this whole thing that Nate was talking about is the, um, the, the fetters, because like, you know, the experience that you were describing earlier sounds a bit like, uh, one of the last five fetters dropping or, or, or partly dropping, but. I think that you can access stuff that's like, like you can have purifications that are related to stuff. That's to, to pain, to suffering. That's, that's caused by the various fetters. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the path attainment. Right? So like, I, I feel fairly confident that I'm having purifications that are associated with both attachment to existence and attachment to non-existence. Right. But that doesn't mean that I'm on the cusp of having a fourth path, path attainment. Right. That, like those are two totally to me, not totally separate things. Obviously they're related because they're related to the, to the, uh, to the fetters. But like, you know, at this point, if I came to some conclusion that I'd attained fourth path, I would be so skeptical of it that, uh, like, it wouldn't be meaningful. Right. Like it's, it's like, cause you know, look at what we've seen. Like, like we thought, you know, Chuladasa was talking about being on fourth path mostly well, it's actually kind of consistent with what you were talking about, Nate, right? It's like, okay, he's purified a bunch of stuff. And so a lot of times his experience is fourth path, but maybe he doesn't have the attainment, right? Um, and, and you know, and he never claimed that he had the attainment. He always said that he was fourth path mostly. So, you know, maybe that's how it goes, right? You have, you know, experiences that are that are consistent with fourth path, but you haven't actually attained fourth path until some other thing happens that we don't know about. And then it's like, when you talk to the teacher, well, how does the teacher know any better than that? So.
5: Yeah. I also feel like there's a lot of variation between people. Like, um, I know people that just get insight and then they need to try really hard to do their purifications and they need to explicitly set their mindset and say like, okay, I'm going to deal with this issue and really try hard to deal with that issue. But like, I'm completely the opposite. Like, um, if I ever get any insight, like the next I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get ready for the purifications to come rolling in. Like um, all the things you just like, it's yep. like a huge wave that just like hits me. And uh yeah, so I don't know, like um I, I used to be surprised. I'm like, yeah, how, how is it possible that people can have like deep insight and path attainment and still still like be a jerk or still like hold on to certain like weird things, like weird yeah. attachments in their lives? I was like, I just can't see that happening, but I don't know, maybe it's like uh, uh, my, my current theory is just like, there's like individual variation between people.
0: Yeah, well, also there's like, you know, you, you, the purifications like, okay, so, so when I had what I think of as my stream entry experience, a whole bunch of purifications happened. There were some things that just immediately dropped, right? Like, like it just stopped happening. Like, you know, some stupid thing would just stop happening or it would happen, but it would immediately be seen through and, st- and it would just die immediately. Like, you know, getting pissed off at somebody right? Somebody cuts me off in traffic and there's like this moment of like, fuck you. And then, you know, immediately after the moment of fuck you, there's like, well, that was a really weird reaction. (laughs) And then like, you know, 10 days later, like it just isn't happening anymore. Like to me, that's, that's what I would think of as a path attainment related purification because you know, yeah, there was still some stuff there, but it was, it was like really easy for the path attainment to just, to just wipe it out. Um, But then there's other stuff that's a lot more subtle, I think. And that's the stuff that I think tends to get people like I have stuff from my childhood that um, is very clearly active and that I know is active and that I can perceive, but I have no idea how to unpack. Um, And so it may be that part of it is like if you had a pretty decent childhood where you didn't have a lot of issues that um, there just aren't as many of those things lying around just a theory, but I don't, this would be, it'd be like the problem with, the problem we all have here is that, is that, you know, we're all like kind of doing this. We're all kind of the experimental subject. Like who is the researcher here? (laughs) It's not me. Like I'm, I can sort of pretend to be a researcher, but really I'm an experimental subject. And, you know, even Jeffrey Martin, you know, talks about doing research on this, but um, it's not clear where that's going. And, you know, we've got uh, uh, Britain, uh, is it, Brittany, uh, will, will, be Britain. Be Britain? Will, will be Britain. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, who's also like very seriously doing research, but you know, she's also a practitioner. She's also an experimental subject. So like, yeah, exactly. Who's the control group. Well, she actually has been using control groups. So that's the one thing that's cool is, is that, is that Willoughby at least is doing controlled experiments with control groups and, uh, and that's neat, but, um, and she has like you know grad students to 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 use as fodder, so so that helps. But um, but yeah, it's it's like you know getting nailing this stuff down. It would be really cool if we could if we could do a research project on this. But but um, I don't know who's doing it aside from Willoughby. And Willoughby is is working on something very specific. She's not working on this whole question that you're talking about, Nate. So. it'd be fun to just like have people like, you know, to come up with a taxonomy and and have people like, like report their experiences relative to the taxonomy, but
3: who has time? Well, and then, then you're just trying to thingify things, right? Like you're reifying and you're trying to put things to this model and, you know, things quickly fall apart uh, in terms of when reality sort of, means model
0: but why are we interested in this i think it's because we're interested in like you know what are like what should i be working on what should i be doing right now what should my practice be right now right and so it's not useless to have a taxonomy even though the taxonomy isn't the thing that it
3: taxonomizes (laughs) yeah but i mean we all kind of know what we should we what we should work on
2: that's crazy and, talk
3: <laughs> well so at one level yes we all kind of know what we should work on and then we have our blind spots yeah right Unfortunately. and the same thing is true with any teacher they yep. have their blind spots too yep. um and so you have to be careful about that about uh you know putting all your faith in a teacher oh yeah you need a teacher you need this and that. i mean teachers can be great yep. but you should you you better be skeptical of them too, just yeah. like you should be skeptical of yourself. Um That's what I, I said at the end of like uh my goodbye was like maybe deal skillfully with, you know, other people's delusions and our own delusions. Yeah. Right. And that's something you got I think it's important to take as like a baseline that we're always kind of operating with different sort of delusions in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's in some sense just trying to move to you know, less of that and more skillful that, but not to expect like, oh, I'm going to completely eradicate all delusions. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: <But that laughs> or I got to find someone who's, who pre- completely eradicated all delusions. Right. Yeah. All right. It's like locating the philosopher's stone or something. Yeah. It, and, and yeah, so much of that is kind of a waste. So when you think about uh, the challenges of living your life, on a day-to-day basis, right? There's, there's the whole nuts and bolts, down-to-earth type stuff, um, which you can simplify. You can, you can sort of provide some simple teachings, but when the rubber meets the road, you know, the little complications always arise, right?
0: So in a sense, what you're saying, I think, is that, is that um, we, need to have a, we need to have the right attitude and we also need Sangha.
3: Yes. Yes. Which, and sadly, we can go, even with developing this taxonomy, right, of mm-hmm. the spiritual landscape, <laughs> that's a frame right there of like, we're, 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 okay, we have, we're going to put all this and see it through a spiritual lens. Right. And this Sangha does not, should not only just in, include people who are interested in spirituality. Right. Right. And they, people who are not interested in spirituality, who aren't meditators, they have things, they have things to teach us as well. And we, you know, we're, we're in this world together with them, affected Uh by them and we affect them.
0: So now you're talking about Tantra. I don't know. (laughs) Tantra is about seeing, seeing the, seeing the, uh, seeing the Buddha in everything essentially. You know, that's that again. That's a spiritual frame, but basically, the idea is that everyone is your teacher. Like there is, there is no experience that you ever have that isn't a teaching.
7: I'll be one of the non-spiritual ones. I don't know what spiritual means.
3: Good. Good. I don't know what it means. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it means either but i use that word all the
0: time we all sort of know what we're talking about when we say spiritual but what exactly it means
2: i think it just means that you're not a full material reductionist so yeah i can't say what it means but i can say that it's not that perhaps I
0: don't know. I don't know how to, how to explain it, but I know it when I see it.
6: (laughs) Yeah.
5: Yeah. Okay. So back to my original question. It's just Mm -hmm. like, keep, keep on doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. Or if, you know, if it occurs to you to try some new practice, try some new practice, but
5: yeah, it's it's interesting because like it's not like classical TMI style anymore. It's like attention is very diffuse. Introspective awareness and extrospective awareness merges into this into this thing. There's like sensations in space, and um, like if I really want to like like avoid the difficult sensations, I can. I just like it's almost like jumping to a higher plane or something, and but I feel like that's wrong. And, um, uh, and in, in order to deal with it, like I need to jump to a lower plane and then I'm like, and then like, sometimes it's like, and sometimes it's like, Oh, it's, it's a little bit grueling down here. Uh, yeah. it's like very agitating. Oh. Ah. Yeah.
3: Well, so there's benefits to both approaches, right? Like there's benefits to sometimes being able to jump to the higher plane, but the, you better believe there's benefits exactly what you're talking about. Cause you kind of intuitively realize this, that, um, being on that lower plane, not being in an especially concentrated or special state, but just sort of being present with it and deal, trying to deal with it skillfully without using, you know, these other strategies of whether heavy concentration or um, can be incredibly beneficial when it comes to integrating the practice in your life and you know, responding skillfully to experience. So I would say that it sounds good what you're doing.
0: I mean, one thing to say about what you described, Nate, is that there's a there's a duality there that isn't necessary necessarily true, right? Um, which is that so so can you be in the place where things are gross and nasty and muddy without being without that being a problem? See you, Lewis. Because um and, and the answer isn't always yes, right? But sometimes I think the answer is yes, and actually, when you do that, you can actually start to see the the like the experiences which you normally label as 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 negative, as beautiful, or as blissful, or you know, as pure or whatever. Not like that. You not in the sense of attraction. You're still a quantumist towards them, but but you aren't judging them as being a bad thing. And and my experience with that state when I land there is that, is that it's actually a great state to do purification in.
5: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think like, sometimes I, like, when I try to downshift or whatever you call it, like sometimes it goes a little bit too hard and yeah. uh, Yeah. Then things get pretty intense. And, and I'm like, I'm still doing purification. Like I'm not losing mindfulness or Mm -hmm. getting re-traumatized, but like, Sometimes like I have to actively, I've got, Oh, okay. This is like, it feels like the emotion is telling me or the sensations are telling me to go a certain place. And in order to go to that place, I really need to like dive into it.
2: And, yeah.
0: You need to and, let like, the trigger go.
5: Yeah. Just like go really, really go into it and, um, see if any memories pop up or like any, yeah. anything pops up. And, yeah. and then like after a while I could get a little bit grueling. I'm like, Oh, this is really agitating. And, um, yeah. And when I finally realized like what it's about, I'm like, Oh, okay. Now it's like released, but yeah.
3: yeah, Which ties in, I think, and I feel like it wraps up this whole thing. Um, what you were just describing made me think of liberation. Right. And that the Buddha talked about the path of like, you know, suffering and the end of suffering. And so whatever your practice is doing, I mean, if it's in some sense giving you, giving you more liberation and reducing your suffering, that's awesome. I think that's, I think that it makes sense for that path. to be, yeah, a, a huge, really important part of the path. And yeah, if, um, you know, so that could be a guiding light and it makes sense to be a guiding light. Like, am I suffering, you know, or, and what can, what, how can I sort of direct my practice um, to reduce suffering? Um, yeah. And just being more and more aware of that, working towards that. And then also, of course, there are other goals too, like in terms of, maybe more compassionate and effective in the world. But yeah, it's to me, it's not that hard. I don't know. Yeah. It's not that hard to, and we all know different directions we can go with our practice. Like, and we're naturally inclined towards some of those directions already.
0: Yeah. One thing about that too, Gilbert, is that, is that like the way that my practice has been going the last however long, probably over more than a year now, has been that, you know, I come to these things every Saturday morning, we all talk about our practice and then my practice kind of shifts on its own in a new direction each time. And so I think that, that, that part of the, the process of being a Sangha is actually that feedback loop where you, you know, the, the ideas don't have to come from here.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah.
4: Yes. So.
8: yes, yes. Uh, Ted. Sam. Um, so, I just find it interesting this concept of uh, purification and like doing purification. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's how I would think about it because it's kind of like almost reifying a purification as, as something like that I do or that you do.
0: Yeah,
4: absolutely.
8: And in my experience, you know, there's like stuff that just comes up and it's not like you really having control over it per se. It's just sort of like, oh, I'm trying to focus on the breath and there's this uh, other thing, but I'm not necessarily thinking of it as like I'm doing anything. So I don't know, maybe you're like, what do you, what do you mean exactly when you're doing a purification versus just focusing on the breath and something else comes up?
0: That's, that's a fantastic point, Sam. Uh, In fact, my experience of purifications is the purification comes up on its own without me deciding to do it. And my process of investigating it is largely just uh, avoiding resistance or, or like, you know, allowing an eagerness to come up that, you know, there's basically not stopping it from happening. Does that make sense?
8: Yeah. So it's like by by doing a purification, you really just mean like not, not reacting to whatever's coming up and just letting it, letting it be.
0: Yeah. Not resisting it, not trying to avoid it right yeah yeah it's true I, I don't really think that there's anything that i'm consciously doing when a purification happens that is the
5: purification
0: there are lots of things that are sort of meta that are happening but the purification itself happens on its own
5: well i think i reify it a little bit like um it starts the sensations come on their own and then like uh, there's this conscious decision to like really jump into it and um, really investigate and really like try to like taste it fully and feel the full flavor of it trying to um, see if anything, if it triggers anything or anything comes up.
8: Mm-hmm. See, that's where I think you can, that's where I think uh, it's possible to go wrong or it's possible to, um, by doing that, you're like almost reifying a sense of that, uh, is investigating or a sense of a person that has a destination of not purified and uh, you, you start at not purified and then you have a destination of getting purified and there's like a motive of being purified and an agent of somebody undergoing the purification. I think that all, like all that, that's like a subtle way of, I don't know, verification, it seems like it's just adding another layer of, I don't know, like you know what i mean like the investigation part yeah yeah actually like, I it's happening whether you get it or not no i don't I, know
5: I mean, yeah i totally agree with you like uh, i think in that mode i actually reify it and it's like um it's there's a lot of self but like not in a it's like not in a like very clinging or like craving type of way it's just like i am going into like like my history or my memories or things I like and things I don't like Um, and other experiences I've had in the past.
0: One metaphor that I would be tempted, and I think I've actually used this before, possibly not here, is that when I find a really juicy one, it's sort of like lancing a boil. And, you know, somebody lanced the boil, right? I might even like try to clean it somehow, but purification process isn't really something that I'm doing. The lancing the boil is something that I feel like I'm doing, right? It feels like an action, but, but the purification doesn't happen. Like the lancing of the boil lancing the boil is never, it's more like picking off a scab, like, you know, like you're, you're sitting there and like, you, you, you've got like a big scab on your knee from where you like, you know, bashed your knee on something when you were on a bike ride or something like that. And then Like after a while, the the scab heals to the point where it starts itching and you start to pick at it sort of automatically. And then it comes off and it's like kind of gross, but like after that, after that's happened, then it's like gone, or at least it's like a step in the direction of gone. It's sort of like that, right? It's like, it's like, yeah, there is a certain feel of volition to it, but, um, you know, I mean, like sort of, you know, there's, there's. Two things to say about that sam i guess one is that that um there can be a state of mind where the feeling of volition is completely dropped and it's not that something new is is happening it's just that you're seeing it in a different way right like where before you would have you would have said oh volition is occurring now you're just saying oh you know the flow went this way (laughs) or something like that and um and it's true when, when you feel that volition is happening, it's still true that the flow went that way. It's just that there's an identification with the flow that is, that is absent when you're just seeing it as the flow. Um, and so for somebody who's not seeing it as just the flow, uh, they will perhaps describe the um, purification process in a way that reifies a self that's doing the purification process, but they're actually describing the exact same process.
8: that makes
3: sense i also agree that Um, i think sam you pointed to like the shadow side of like chasing purification right i think you yeah you were touching on that there is definite shadow side to that
0: yeah i remember like early on when i started to discover the ability to purify i was just like oh my god this is the best thing ever let's see what i can zap And after a while, that attitude kind of dropped because it was like, well, you know, sometimes, sometimes this thing that feels really broken is actually uh, the building block for something more functional and zapping it isn't the right thing to do. And at that point, it's like, you know, I don't really know what the right thing is to do. So let's just see if the unconscious mind can figure that out. And I'll just step back and not try to not try to do anything. And, uh, and that definitely did, did seem to help with that with the purification process for me.
5: yeah I'm just trying to think like I definitely like I don't know how to explain it but like I felt like if I were to detach from the process a little bit more it's almost as if like I don't know how to say it express it but it's almost as if like I'm not owning it Mm. like it's it's not like I'm not owning my karma or whatever thing like that but but it feel it would feel like I'm, like, jumping a step. I don't know how to really explain it. It's, it's like, I need to acknowledge that it exists, like, um, these things that have happened in the past, or, um, yeah, I was upset about it, and, like, try not to deny the feelings. And after that, I could really, like, okay, now I can jump to the next step. I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think it also has to do with my personality, which, um, like, I think there were times in the past where I just, like deny certain feelings or feel like, ah, no, that's totally fine when it's, like, not fine and stuff like that. Yep.
8: So uh, I think it's that that owning process is more like surrender, really. um, That's the way I frame it rather than, I mean, it's probably the same thing, but um, just the vocabulary that I would use is different. It's like uh, you're kind of acknowledging that it's there, acknowledging that you don't have really uh, um, any power over it and uh by, by doing that during i think that's the same process that you're talking about is uh, owning it so i think i mean it's probably the same thing it's just uh, the, the words you use describe it are different than what i would say and
0: yeah one thing to say about this sam is that part of what's probably going on here is just that there is you know we all have our own language uh, that we use to describe things and um you know, uh, we all have our own, like, you know, thing that we're working on and you know, that's, 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 that's like sort of the deeper thing, right? Um, like, yes, we're working on purifications, but there's also like some sort of deeper like realization that's, that's maybe starting to form and is isn't quite there yet. And after that's happened, we might start to use different language about what's going on. Um, or it may be like, you know i i i was i was on this this hobby horse a while ago about like the illusion of non non uh, non agency cuz like you know agency is an illusion right right but is non agency the truth or is that also an illusion and so you know like even figuring out what order these things happen in is a little bit questionable so um so i think you know like like your your reaction to the uh to the description of, of, of investigating as a, as a volitional activity may well have to do with like the thing that you're working on right now. And somebody who's either later or earlier in the process just isn't, that's not the issue for them. So it just doesn't feel maybe fruitful to, to be concerned about that at that time.
8: Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to remark earlier on the, uh, in my experience, uh, the purifications tend to come, or, you know, when I would conceptualize the purification, seems like that comes before the insight experience. Um, I had a pattern where I would go through um, difficult stuff, and then there was a, like a recurring type of insight experience that would clear that instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be like a repeated thing and then stuff would build up and then there'd be the type experience that would clear it again and it was sort of like this ongoing process until so it sort of all like leveled out. But I think, I guess it's the same thing, like purification before or after. Um, what's the difference, right? Is, is right. it the figure? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, I think, I think it actually is a little bit, is this the beat or the downbeat? Like it can really, I, I, depending on where your where your uh, focus is, it can, it can seem like, cause, cause when you say that I'm like, Oh yeah, I could see, I could see my experience that way, but my experience tends to be the more similar to the way Nate is describing it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's entirely possible that like, you know, and in fact, actually I think it's, it's, it's realistic. Like this, that sort of fits in with the the model that I was talking about earlier about um Uh, you know, you can have purifications that are related to the fetters that are still active. um, And that doesn't mean that the fetters are in the process of dropping. The dropping of the fetter is then related to a fruition that comes later. And when that fetter drops, that's going to really take the wind out of the sails of all of that stuff that you've been purifying, right? Like, so you can be having like the experience of all of this stuff happening, like all of And, and, and that can actually potentially result in the insight, right? Like you're seeing all of this stuff happening and you're purifying it or you're trying to purify with it, purify it. Maybe you're not succeeding. And then like at some point a pattern emerges and you're like, Oh, I see what I'm doing wrong. And bam, you have an insight. And then all of that stuff that was being, that was rooted in that particular fetter stops happening. Like, or if it happens, it's immediately seen through. Does that make sense?
8: yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah
0: anyway very theoretical i think (laughs)
5: Well, I don't really have anything to say, but like, I think purification is like a major part of the path of it. So, yeah. By the way, Sam, how have you been?
8: Um, I've been really good. I uh, started a, uh, I moved to Seattle, started a job, job. I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah, I mean, practice-wise, I'm still living in the, sort of in a state that Jan was talking about where I sit and it's kind of just nice and I'm not necessarily very focused or concentrated or anything. Um, but it, it feels pretty nice.
0: I see so. you're wearing the official North, uh, Northwest garb.
8: <laughs> yeah. I'm, just in my, I'm in my robe I just got up right before I uh got on here
0: so oh, right it's early <laughs> kinda of messed
8: up. Yeah, it's seven o'clock here. I'm used to having this meeting at ten, so it's a little bit earlier.
0: Yep. Anybody wanna bring up any meditation topics?
4: Hm. Mm, maybe like do you know anything like about that state Sam like is do you, yeah, what are your thoughts about that state? Um, about what? The state that you're constantly in and that like I also like frequently enter. Um, yeah, I don't know. I
8: mean like I there's like physical pliancy it seems like. Um, but at the same time I'm still getting distracted a little bit. Um I have a very good sense of the body and it feels like uh, awareness is really big and there's no dullness. Everything is, like, vivid, but at the same time, um, concentration just doesn't really care to stay. I can concentrate if I want to, but uh, it almost feels like I don't have a preference either way for concentrating on one thing versus just being distracted and coming back. They feel like the same thing. So um, there has to be an extra like, little, oh, I, w- I want to concentrate and I'm going to be extra, uh, I'm going to be a little bit more vigilant about concentrating and then concentration will happen. Um, but there has to be a little bit of an extra push that way, I guess. Um, yeah I mean I, I used to have very eventful practice but now it's not very eventful um, and there's, it used to be way more dramatic and now there's not as much drama it, it, it seems like uh, there's a dramatic phase for everyone where it's very very important things are happening here uh, this is all very important and then the importance of it all just sort of gradually fades out. And it's just like, oh, I'm just sitting here now and this is fine. And I don't know why I like to do this, but it's, it's nice and I enjoy it. and it seems to do good things, so I'm going to keep doing it. So I guess that's where I'm at. Um, as far as, like, knowing what that means, uh, I don't know. What do you want to do next? Um, I've been having I've been focus on work lately and just, uh, just sort of uh, being in the world. Returning um, to the market. Returning to the marketplace.
0: Yeah.
8: <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm in a job. I really enjoy it. Um, uh, I have like a great boss who's awesome and uh people i work with are cool and uh yeah i've just been focusing on like life stuff because it seems like in the whole journey or the meditative like path i sort of went through a phase where the life stuff was not as important or so i believed and then uh certain ways i think i fell behind a little bit and now i'm kind of like Coming back with a different perspective, and uh, you know, you know, kind of just chopping wood and carrying water. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yep. Cool.
0: Anybody have any burning questions that they're afraid to ask? Or just don't want to ask? I mean, I guess if you don't want to ask it, I don't want to force you.
7: (laughs) I haven't heard anything Uh, lately about the situation with Chuladasa. Do you have more information, Ted?
0: No. No, I I had another uh, sexual misconduct thing blow up in a different uh, volunteer organization in the last two weeks. And so I've been totally distracted from that. (laughs) It's like, when am I supposed to actually get my my day job work done when all of this stuff is happening? (laughs) Why can't people just... I mean, uh, who, am, who am I to judge? I wouldn't claim to be perfect either, but it's like, come on.
2: Um, Tom, just on that, I kind of, um, I listened to the, I don't know if you've written yourself podcast, with Chuladasa, it's called Meditation and Therapy. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting to listen to. I kind of started listening to it thinking I'd probably just be smirking at it, you know, but actually I got really good insights into, yeah, a number of things that helped me to sort of understand, not fully understand obviously, but um, get my head around it.
0: Yeah. So this is the Deconstructing Yourself podcast.
2: Yeah, I'll send the link now, but I found it very useful.
7: Yeah, I want to second that. That is a good podcast. I've listened to it also.
5: Maybe I'll listen to it on the plane.
7: Thank you, Ted. I'm going to move on to lunch now. It's right. been great, everyone. Take care.
0: Great seeing you all. Uh, I, think, I think that's that's our cue to say goodbye since nobody, nobody wants to ask their, their uh, whatever right. it is they want to ask. So um, thanks for coming and I'll see you next weekend.